Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 169th episode of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 622nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, May 14th, 2020. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, and let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, and this one for me, uh, obviously slim pickings on the, uh, newswire about anything IU or, uh, even largely college basketball related, but there was a tweet that Deron Davis sent out on Sunday, uh, that, uh, that I, that really struck me. I know Ryan talked about, uh, Devante's graduation last week. And so we're going back to the well, but, uh, I just thought this was cool. He, his tweet was, why did I just find out I'm the first man in my family to graduate from college? Uh, kind of a. I mean, a cool thing in some ways, cool that he didn't know and and found that out on the weekend of his graduation, but, uh, really just a way for us to, to say congrats to Duran, uh, on not only graduating and what that means to him, but also what that means to his family. Certainly a guy that we have followed through a number of injuries and, uh, a number of highlights over the course of his IU career. And, you know, some things that have come up this week have talked about, you know, having goals from a, a basketball perspective and goals from an educational perspective. Uh, and you give a lot of credit to him and the academic staff that's been there both under Tom Crean and under Archie Miller for uh, all that they do for the players to get them through to, to really achieve something great. And, and like I said, uh, just a really great accomplishment for Duran. Uh, and his family and uh, just thought that tweet was was cool and a good thing to look at in the offseason. So many uh, students graduated over the weekend under odd circumstances and, and you know, Duran and Devante uh, were were among them. And so uh, and Adrian Chapman as well. So all those guys got to go through that, albeit not in the traditional way, but that doesn't lessen the accomplishment of, uh, of graduating and what that uh, will mean for them uh, in their future as uh, as Indiana graduates. So congrats to Duran. Congrats to the rest of the guys uh, for that. And that is uh, this week's banner moment. And now, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Jared is not with us right now, though he may join later. Uh, As you may have heard, though, uh, Ty Jerome did reply to one of Jared's tweets recently, so he's been kind of insufferable, quite honestly, and has really struggled to form coherent thoughts and sentences. So uh, we're giving him a little uh, little time off to just let that soak in and and bask in the glory of that Ty Jerome tweet. Uh, But here with me this week, to my left, is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Cost a dollar, heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, the first thing on my mind is uh, condolences out to Cam Wilson, IU uh, wide receiver, who uh, lost his mom tragically. Um, uh, she was shot and killed uh, this past week, and then uh, later on, uh, his dad was found deceased as well in another location. Just a a, a horrible uh, event, uh, and it, it it shows you know the IU community, uh, his community there in Columbus, raised some money for expenses and funds, and it was good to see people rally around. And uh, kudos to Coach Allen and the LEO mantle uh, has been widely discussed, but it, it, it's times like that we need to remember that teams are brothers and sisters, and they are there for each other to help win games, but they're also there to help each other uh, through trials and tribulations. And I'm sure the uh, LEO nation is out helping uh, Cam Wilson and his uh, family uh, as they go through this um, 
a tremendously awful situation. We wish uh, Cam nothing but the best. Uh, a couple other brief things. One, had a really good interaction with IU ticket office today, renewing my football tickets as I we were up in limbo with where everything's going and uh, with sports, and they did a really nice job. And it, it reminds me that I don't always agree with everything that goes on in the athletic department and, and, and teams, but I, I am proud to, to be a graduate of Indiana because I think for, for the most part, uh, Indiana does things and has people there that try to make things as smooth as possible. As far as basketball goes, I, I have some optimism as I'm putting together clips for the coaches' corner shows in our community. Uh, you get to see some of the good that the players do, and I'm, I'm just banking on the fact that we need consistent play. Within games, we need consistent play from week to week to avoid some of the four-game losing streaks. But there's a lot of players coming back, and if they make you know, the adjustments that we talked about last week, some of the questions – if they move forward, then this team is going to be highly competitive in a pretty good Big Ten next year. And uh, the season can't get here soon enough for a lot of reasons. But for me, it's optimism on the growth of this basketball program. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. All right, Ryan, I have some idea of what your rant may be about, though I don't know if you intend to save that for later or just use that. This is like the on-ramp to what you want to rant about That's, later. I'll, I'll, just, I'll see which way you want to go. California's a freeway state. I'm looking at an on-ramp here. Um, I Look, I, I think that, first of all, I want to say hi, everybody. hope everybody's doing well. Obviously, we're all dealing with uh, the ongoing issues in our country, but I just wanted to say I hope everybody's doing great. It's been a It's been an okay week over here. So I hope you guys are all having a good week as well. Uh, I, I think that we're going to talk about, and, and I won't get into specifics yet, but what I would say is if you're a head coach and a player transfers from your university, the proper way to handle it, in my opinion, publicly is to wish them well, say it was great having them on the roster, uh, maybe point out some things that happened in their career that were positive and maybe say, He's just looking for more playing time, blah, blah, blah. Just be completely bland about it and wish them well. That's all I can say. If that's going to happen to you, uh, it's tough. Obviously, you put a lot of time into players and, and you create a family atmosphere and all that. It can be a, a blow to the ego when a guy wants to leave. Uh, but your position as a coach of a university of a basketball program, uh, just, you know, wish the guy well and hope he does well and, and, and send him off into the world. Uh, there's no reason to air your dirty laundry on a radio show. Uh, even if the person who hosts that radio show is a big fan of this program. All right. Well, with that, we'll, uh, we'll circle back to that momentarily, uh, at least part of that. Uh, so here's what we're going to talk about this week. We got a few, who's your headlines. Uh, then we want to talk about the, the Matt Painter comments uh, about uh, the transfers in Nogel Eastern and Matt Harms. Oh, what do he have to say? And, uh, <laughs> and, and general thoughts maybe on when it's okay uh, for a coach to criti- criticize an athlete publicly. Uh, we'll, we'll dip into that a little bit here in the, in the first segment. And then we want to take a, an early look at the Big Ten. Uh, I know Jared and Alex uh, had Bart Torvik on a podcast on the brink not too long ago. And um, a handful of decisions still lingering out there. But just wanted to take a, an early look at the Big Ten. 
Uh, try to try to look through that a bit, and then uh, we'll answer your questions. So we've got all that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to that, a few quick announcements. Uh, please continue to support our friends at Homefield. Uh, you can go to homefieldapparel.com and use the code ASSEMBLY20 to get 20% off of your entire order. This week they released fleece sweatpants made out of the same material as the bison hoodie, so uh, I'm pretty sure there's already been a mad dash to get those. Um, and as Jared writes here, you can now literally drape yourself head to ankle in the most comfortable clothing material ever created. Uh, I'll also tell you it's getting close to graduation time. Uh, our neighbor is going to, uh, to Dayton. So as one of the gifts for him, we ordered a, a Dayton shirt from the fine folks at, uh, at home field. So, you know, keep them in mind as you're thinking about, you know, gifts to give people and things like that. I can say with great certainty that our neighbors are Syracuse fans and, uh, and Dayton fans. So they will not be listening to this program. So, uh, I don't think I just let that secret out of the bag there, but, uh, just an awesome source for, uh, for great shirts. And if you want to support a local food bank, uh, you can go to foodpantries.org, uh, or feedingamerica.org. The food pantry site will let you search for ones in your area if you want to you know, localize wherever you might want to donate. Uh, you can find out more about that there. And then the feedingamerica.org is more of a, a nationwide one. Uh, but again, if you have the ability and the desire, those are a couple of places you can go to help out with everything uh, going on, as Ryan mentioned. So with that, uh, who's your headlines? So we talked about the graduations, uh, a couple changes to the net ranking system um, that Coach and I were are, are dialed in on probably more than is is healthy for, for most. But uh, in general, they're reducing the number of factors that fall into really just two. So there's an adjusted net efficiency piece that includes efficiency, strength of opponent, and, and the location of the game, home, road, or neutral. And then the team value index, which is more... Uh, which is more results oriented and they want to try to reward teams who beat other good teams. So those are the two big pieces. And then they also adjusted the strength of schedule uh, for those who, um, who are familiar with wins above bubble. Uh, this sounds an awful lot like that, but it basically, uh, it used to just kind of average winning percentages of, of opponents. This takes a, a better look. It considers opponent strength inside of each game, assigning each game a difficulty score, uh, and then aggregating these across all games results in an overall expected win percentage versus a team schedule, which can be ranked to get a better message or better measure of the strength of schedule. So, Coach, I'll throw this to you. Uh, you feel like that's a good change, as best you can tell. Um, I know we'll be watching it from a bracketology perspective, but um, your your thoughts on that and the fact that they've already made some changes. You know, I I am I like the net uh, as compared to the RPI because I thought it. It took into, you know, factor how you played a little bit, but that can be gamed just as well. Um, and I thought it was a little bit last year. Some of the teams, Texas Tech and Stanford, uh, their resumes didn't match up to where their net was. So I applaud the NCAA in making an adjustment. I just want to see what it's going to look like uh, eventually, uh, if it's going to be more of a true measure. Uh, but I did think the net uh, produced uh, better results other than a few outliers. I'm hoping this takes um, takes those outliers uh, out of play a little bit and is a, is a little more fair to the resume uh, because I didn't think Texas Tech was where they should have been and Stanford and some of those teams. But any any metric you can game if you're smart enough and pay attention to it with your scheduling and, and how the outcomes of games. So I think it's a good thing for college basketball overall to always try to have the best measure to get the best 68 teams. Yeah. I like the fact that they're looking at it, trying to make, trying to make improvements. There were a lot of those outliers. I think some of those outliers show themselves pretty early in the, you know, the, when they initially release it. And, 
um, really played played there throughout. So I, I think you're inherently going to have that. They continue to try to mix predictive um, measures with results-based ones. And so I think that inherently will produce a little bit of confusion or some some oddities. But I'm like you. Hopefully it reduces some of the outliers where the, the numbers don't really match up. Arizona was the one that really stood out a year ago. So we'll uh, kind of sit back and, and wait and see what happens with that. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, potential number change. Uh, it sounds like he had tweeted something out. Uh, he wore number 23 in high school with Demizi transferring that opens back up and then would allow Christian Lander to wear, uh, number four. So, uh, I think we can assume that to happen, although there's nothing, uh, quite official there. And then a couple changes to the calendar from the NCAA. They announced on Monday, it'll extend the current recruiting dead period through Tuesday, June 30th. Uh, due to the pandemic and then the deadline for uh, student athletes to withdraw from the NBA draft and retain eligibility push back from the current June 3rd date. They don't have a final date set because they don't know what's going to happen with the NBA draft. So they'll kind of work things in, in there. It does affect Justin Smith. Indications are that he'll ultimately return, but he's the one guy in there. Uh, Ryan, anything of note from the schedule changes uh, or the, the calendar changes from your standpoint? No, it was the right thing to do. I mean, you've got to move back uh, the recruiting dead period because guys aren't, you know, out. It, it, you just it, the whole calendar is changing, so it's it's worth extending that. Uh, and then I think the draft date again, same thing. It's these kids don't have answers yet, and so making them decide on something in a few weeks when they've had absolutely no feedback is is not fair. And, and so I think what we will see, I think we'll see a lot of those fringe guys that sometimes jump return. And because there's just far less certainty on the draft, uh, I think we might see a lot of high upside guys wind up coming back as well. And and because I think teams, instead of having individual workouts, are going to have to base a lot of their assumptions on tape as opposed to individual workouts where guys are like, did you see what he can do with the ball in his hands? It's going to be more based on film. And we saw that with the NFL draft. A lot of guys who had played very well in college wound up getting drafted higher. A lot of boards stayed pretty much chalk. Whereas in, you know, on, on one of my buddy's boards, uh, 25 of the first in the first round, 25 of his top 30 guys went and he bases his board heavily on performance. And so you saw guys who performed well taken early, as opposed to, you know, a wide receiver from a small school who is, or, or a you know wide receiver from a, I don't want to say small school, but a a middle of the road school who has ridiculous athleticism didn't jump up 30 spots because somebody fell in love with them because they didn't have a chance to work them out. So I think that same thing is going to happen with this draft. And I think you're going to see a lot of guys wind up coming back. All right. So we'll, we'll hit this uh, Matt Painter topic. We we talked about circling back to that. Uh, I'll let, I'll let coach probably chime in first. I, I think most people have heard this or read about this in some form or fashion. Um, you know, Painter had some comments about the transfers of Nogel Eastern and Matt Harms. Um, the number of comments during the interview with Dan Dockage were, were relative to their kind of work ethic and, and different things like that, which, um, I think is one of the things we'd all agree is is really part of the the DNA of the program that Painter has has built from a work ethic standpoint, things like that. So we talked a lot about that. Guy talked about you guys handling adversity and and are they putting themselves in a better situation basketball wise and and different things like that. I, I would encourage you because I did I did both. I did this in the order of I read comments either on Twitter or read an article about what the comments said, and then I went back and I actually listened to the full interview. Um, which which I felt like in some cases gave me different impressions of how the words were said, the way in which they were delivered, different things like that. I mean, inherently reading a quote or something pulled out is going to be 
a little bit different. And I think we have some varied opinions, although Jared and, and Ryan aired some of their thoughts on this on Twitter um, last night. But coach, what were your overall thoughts? Were there parts that you, and, and I, and I think you probably look at this a couple ways. One of it is probably as a coach and one of it is probably as a, you know, an analyst. So feel free to delineate your thoughts between those, uh, those two avenues. Well, you know, both, both sides of the party have decisions to make and things that they think about the decisions and decisions can be uh, good decisions for a player bad decisions for a coach, but it's how you handle it that really matters. And, and in the college game, I think you really have to be PR aware of, of what you're saying at any time because recruiting is such a tough business. Uh, I don't believe in negative recruiting, but a lot of places will bring up uh, certain things. If you give a little bit of ground uh, by some of your comments or attitudes, that, that might potentially be used against you. So you got to be really careful. You know, w- what I gathered from the quotes, I read them, I did not listen to them be- because I, I don't listen to certain shows anymore. Um, that's just a, a moral ground that I take. But um, to listening to the quotes, it's a coach who was upset and rightfully upset and had good meaning. I, I think Coach Painter means well. He likes people to come play for the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back. He believes that it's you have to work hard to get what you earn. Those are really noble things. I applaud that. That's part of the reason why I like Coach Painter. Uh, and, and some of those things came into play and maybe why these guys left that didn't meet his expectations. But when you go on a radio show, uh, you are best to follow Ryan's advice in his opening comments. Uh, you're not going to make the changes. And, and – I, I know that some people say he's defending what he believes his program is. That That's all good and well, but it's better to let that go um, and, and, and stay positive. And I know we do – we deal with that at the high school. You know, you have a, a freshman kid you're counting on as a, playing as a sophomore varsity. He doesn't want to come out for, because he wants to be in another sport uh, predominantly. Or, you know, you have a kid who decides uh, he wants to transfer schools because of playing time. That happens in, 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 in my programs, in the program that I'm in now. Here's our – we will stay quiet and we will stay positive. We are not going to publicly – make any statements. We're not going to beg players to stay. We're not going to beg players to come back. Everything's going to be done professionally quiet. And that, and even if we're mad as heck in the, in the locker room, and there have been some situations in the 20 years that I've coached where you're really mad uh, at the way a parent has portrayed things or way a player is saying things. Uh, but it's just best to, to, in my opinion, follow what Ryan said and, and keep it quiet and go about replacing the players that left. Um, because I, I think it just opens up this huge discussion that really didn't need to be happening uh, about a guy who obviously does a good job. Yeah, I think it, it it's interesting. I, I I was probably maybe more okay with it than than the two of you, and maybe more aligned with with what Jared said. I, I definitely get it from a people can use it against you. I don't know if it reflects well, but I also think there's people who like who like that, and that may make him more endearing to them as a potential landing spot because you kind of know what you're going to get. I at no point during the conversation did I take did I get the impression that these weren't the exact same conversations that he had had with those two guys uh it came out today I guess I should have said this in the beginning too that Nojo Eastern already committed to Michigan um pretty quick turnaround I'll kind of leave way, it I'll leave Peter it at had that. To know oh, that he had to know Peter and I think that, that and I think that's and I think that's part of it uh I, I do think that played a role I would be surprised if he didn't know at that point um y- you know I I thought it was it would be one thing if it was just a you know, commentary on kids today, stuff like that. I think it, 
became like it felt more personal because it was obviously addressed about those two guys. But I, the 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 college basketball fan in me kind of found it refreshing that somebody was that willing to talk openly about his thoughts and what the challenges were with those players because that's not a side of things you usually hear. It usually is what Ryan said. It's everything's kind of flowery. Thank you for your contributions. When you know, in a lot of cases, yeah, that's fine. It's a mutual decision and it's best for both parties. But there's some things underlying that. And and I kind of just felt like he was right or wrong, kind of doubling down on um, on how he runs the program and a guy who's been somewhere long enough where he's comfortable enough to do that, that he's not worried about it. And it's also a place where he went to school and played. And I think there's a little bit different slant to it that way when it's your alma mater and, and you've been through that. And he you know kind of talked about some of his experience as a player and, hey, I wasn't scoring, but it was because I, you know, there were different reasons for that, that, you know, he didn't try to blame other people. So I, I kind of see both sides of it. I, I didn't mind it. Um, but I certainly see how people could use it to say, Hey, this is, is this really a guy that you want to go play for? Cause he's going to go trash you somewhere a- after the fact. Um, so Ryan, we only got a, a minute or so left in this segment and I know you probably have it's definitely not enough time. No, additional I, thoughts, but, but chime in a little bit and then we I'll, can I'll maybe talk it, a little bit more during the break. I'll make it very simple. Always take the high road. Always. If you, especially if you're a public figure and the face of a program, or I mean, really the forward face of the university at times is the basketball coach at Purdue, just like at Indiana. You always take the high road. And, and this was not the high road, in my opinion. And, and you said there were some conversations he almost certainly had with those players behind the scenes. Leave it behind the scenes. You wish them well. And I get that he had to go because two, two you know, rising seniors who are going to be your leaders next year, who in all likelihood would have been named captains, leave. In, in a few weeks from each other, you got to address that. You go on the show, you say, hey, we're fine. You know, these are two guys. They wanted to move on for more playing time. We've got some young guys coming up that really are going to push them and 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 have really earned their spot. And it was just going to be, you know, a situation where they weren't going to get much playing time. You weren't going to get maybe not get as much playing time. They want to go seek something else out. They want to grow somewhere else. That We wish them well. That's all you have to say. And people be like, oh, all right. Sounds like they got a they got a good backcourt situation. They didn't really need no gel Eastern. They've got a solid front court. Matt Harms, bummer he's leaving, but he graduated. And, you know, that's all you have to say. Instead, he went down into this whole long thing. And I agree. It was different when I listened to it than when I read it. But I still felt the same way. Saying that you're not a Boilermaker unless you finish. I mean, like things like that. Like that's just a petty cheap shot he took on the, at these guys on the way out the door. You want to address that to them behind the scenes. You have absolutely every right to in your personal relationship with those people. But it felt like he was trying to trash those kids on the way out the door as a way of saying we're fine without them. And, and I didn't like, I didn't appreciate that. I don't care what Matt Painter says in general. I mean, he is Purdue's coach. I'm not really concerned with Purdue. I know Jared loves him and loves the way he runs his program. I get it. I respect the way he runs his program. But just because you like somebody or, or, or don't or, or respect the way they run their program doesn't mean they're infallible. And I think he made a mistake. And quite frankly, I think in a month, Matt Painter is going to look back at that and think he made a mistake because it didn't look good. It looked like he was trying to, he was being petty because he learned that one of the guys he was counting on to be a senior defensive stopper transferred to a rival. And that is the wrong way to handle it. Make no gel Eastern look bad for leaving Purdue for a rival 
don't go out there and then trash the kid. And so that was my, my feeling on it. I know it went over a minute. I apologize. It's just how I work. Uh, but I would say that, I would say that, yeah, that's my feeling. I think, I think the challenges in some of that is, it's a couple of things. I mean, one, those two guys have played a lot. I mean, they, they may, they had started to, you know, Harms lost some playing time when they realized they couldn't play him with Travion Williams, but he was going to play a lot. I, I think you could see the writing on the wall that maybe they weren't going to play as much this year, but, but that being said, I, I think the other part is I, I don't know if he looks back and regrets it because the people that the the people that really ate it up in, in large part were a lot of Purdue fans who had probably been frustrated, certainly by Eastern, maybe less so by Harms, but I think had a bad taste in their mouth. So they liked liked it for lack and of a better also, term. And, and then, frankly, with, with the playing time comments, they want to be like or the or the the work ethic comments be like, oh, that's why he left. He didn't want to work hard. That's that's the way fans are. So of course, Purdue yeah. fans were going to love it. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, so he's not alienating people who are generally supportive of him. The The biggest potential for me is alienating potential recruits, but I don't know that the type of guy and Jared had this in a, and I, so I won't attribute this to my own thought, but you know, the types of guys that they are typically going to get are the guys who feel like they're going to outwork somebody because they weren't ranked high enough or they weren't as high ranked. And, so maybe it doesn't hurt that much. Like that to me is if there's an argument to be made where it hurts somewhere, it's more on the recruiting side. Um, but who's to say? I mean, we'll we'll see about that. So anyway, all right. So I let you go over a minute, and then I talk for a while too. So we're all uh, we'll we're be all, forgiven eventually. We're all in this together. All right. Coming up, we are going to talk about the Big Ten and not just Purdue. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll hit that next after the break. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. And welcome back to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch these those replays and see all the between-segment banter, like the extended discussion we just had on the Matt Painter conversation, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni, and uh, we want to take this opportunity to take a quick look around the Big Ten, a uh, few comings and goings, I guess, and then look through at least early thoughts on, on maybe what the tiers of the league look like. So in terms of NBA draft decisions, uh, the one, guys expected to stay in at this point, based on anything I've read and heard, would be Jalen Smith, Daniel Oturu, Caleb Wesson, Io DeSunmu, and I think Xavier Tillman. I lumped him in this category. Uh, and then those expected to return of note, you've got Luca Garza, Kofi Coburn, uh, Marcus Carr at Minnesota, Isaiah Livers at Michigan, uh, Aaron Henry has his name for Michigan State, um, Justin Smith we talked about already, and I think there was another guy or two that may have their name in there, I think uh, C.J. Walker from Ohio State potentially. 
So we're kind of using those as the the backdrop of this uh, based on conversations that, that we've had. So if you look at some of the early top 25 uh, rankings that are out there and, and even the podcast on the Brink episode that I, that I mentioned, kind of top tier feels like Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Iowa. Uh, so let's kind of talk through those first. Um, Ryan, you love Wisconsin, so I'll throw this to you first. So the way that Jared phrased this question, is the team with the fewest question marks, Wisconsin, talented enough to win the Big Ten? So they only lost Brevin Pritzel. They've got five seniors back that look to be their starting lineup. Uh, so is Wisconsin in your eyes, the clear favorite based on how they perform later in the season last year and what they've got coming back? Yeah. I mean, I think they have to be just because the returning roster is stronger now. You And, and, and look with freshmen and new, you know, players coming in, you never know how the fit's going to work. You never know how quickly they're going to get adapted. So you have to always lean toward the team that's returning the best, unless they're getting a five-star, you know, elite guy. That's a game changer. Uh, I think that you have to default to the team that's returning the best roster that you've seen play in the Big Ten. And given Wisconsin's system, they tend to do better when they have a bunch of veteran guys. So I, I would say that Wisconsin's the early favorite. Does that mean they win the league? I, who knows? We don't know how it's going to play out, but early favorite for sure, I'd say. Yeah, to me, they have the fewest question marks at the very least, and we'll get into some of and the questions so about big. everybody else. And that was, you know, you've got senior guards and Davison and Trice. You've got Reavers. And Micah Potter. Now, maybe you've got questions about how much those two can play together, um, but I think they're going to make every effort to play them together based on who else they've got. Um, so you do have a couple other role guys back. They have a top 100 freshman in that system. Freshmen don't tend to play a ton or at least contribute a ton right away. Um, so they feel like the favorite to me. Coach, lingering thoughts on, on Wisconsin for you? Well, I think with all of this, what I look is who's poised to maybe take a step back from where they're, they're projected and who's going to take steps forward. You know, I think Wisconsin's going to be a top-tier team, whether that's, you know, one, two, three, four. I think it'd be really hard to envision them with the returning players and the success that they've had. What they have going for them is is the the program and how they run their stuff and they have guys coming back. What, what could help them drop a little bit is they're always susceptible to teams with great athleticism and can outplay them. They're, they're, you know, they're not, they need the system win. And sometimes they just eke out games. They won seven or eight in a row down the stretch to win. They didn't look like real world beaters at IU the last time and eked out a 58-54 win. All of a sudden you lose a couple of those or breaks go bad. That's enough to maybe, you know, keep you from winning the championship, maybe be, you know, three or four and drop down a notch. But yeah, they, they look good. Uh, off the bat and and a team that uh, everyone will be shooting for. So the other two teams up toward the top would be Michigan State and Iowa. So we'll hit Iowa first. Uh, Defense, obviously, the question mark with them. If Garza comes back, they really only lose Ryan Kreiner uh, and and Cordell Pemsel, I think, is transferring, but that's not a huge one. They get uh, Bohannon back from injury, and then you've still got Wieskamp, C.J. Frederick, Connor McCaffrey, a lot of the same you know, cast of characters as they have. They've got a handful of freshmen. I don't think anybody would be asked to step in and contribute right away. Uh, so stat in here from 2013 to 2016, Iowa's defense averaged 41 in Ken Palm. If they get anywhere close to that with an elite offense, how good could they be? So, Coach, I'll go to you first on Iowa. And maybe the question is better phrased as, do you think they can get imp- they can improve enough defensively uh, to really be a, a contender? I mean, I think they're going to be a contender. I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. They just have too much firepower. And Luca Garza is just a tough guard uh, inside, outside. And he's really worked well to uh, the angles that he plays. So 
I think anytime you can score points, uh, you can run into uh, a streak of victories. But when you can't guard, you can also run into some games that you lose that you shouldn't. And in order to win the Big Ten, you need to be consistent on both sides or as consistent as you possibly can. And I just don't trust Iowa putting together enough over a 20-game schedule to to win the Big Ten. But I do think, you know, I think they're one of those teams that's poised to drop. And, and I always go back to the Northwestern and Minnesota a couple years back after Northwestern made the tournament and had all five starters coming back, and everyone projected them in the top three or four, and they fell down along with Minnesota. The, Iowa, to me, would be a team that should be in the top three and looks like a top three team. Wouldn't be surprised if they fell to the middle of the pack um, because of the defense. Yeah, I think one of the challenges with them is, and and something that Kreiner brought, he was a little bit of an instigator uh, when he was out there, but he did give them a little bit more size. Um, they really don't have a lot established outside of Garza inside, so they may start playing even smaller than they did at times a, a year ago. Uh, so then Michigan State. Um, so Ryan, I'll, I'll come to you on them. If you assume that Xavier Tillman is gone, or really even if you don't, I think the big question for them is point guard. And that would be a big question losing Cassius Winston no yeah. matter what. Um, but it's really, you know, Foster Lawyer is the only guy who's really played that position. Do you move Rocket Watts over to that? Because the, the highest rated freshman guard they have coming in is more of a combo guard based on what I looked at. Josh Langford, not really sure if he's going to try to get a another year of eligibility. Um, so you really don't have a ton of options there. Maybe it's moving Watts over, but how do you think they answer that question? Can they answer that question? Is, is putting them in the top tier really just banking on Izzo being Izzo more so than actually knowing that all the pieces fit together very well? Well, they have talent. I mean, they, they have enough talent to be in a top tier team. It's just a question of how it all fits together. You had Joey Hauser. I mean, I think he was a guy who had they played last year, they would have been even better. I mean, you know, they, he would have made them a lot better. Uh, if Tillman leaves, you still have so much talent, especially if Langford comes back. I mean, Langford, I, I have some friends who are Michigan State fans and alums and said that Langford was their best player and they lost him for the whole season and they were still really good. You know, I I, I don't know what they're going to do at point guard. I truly don't have the answer. I think there's a chance Rocket Watts gets an opportunity. I, they might do it by committee. Izzo has done that before and it's worked. Um, you might have guys bring up the ball who are more of wings. And, 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 and sort of initiate the offense from there. He's not afraid to do stuff like that. So it'll be interesting. I'm sure by midseason they'll have that figured out. It might take some time. It might be ugly early because anytime you lose a guy like Cassius Winston and potentially Tillman as well, you've got to do some reworking of your lineup and, and of your roster. So Winston's been there for so long that it was his team for several years. You know, And, and so there's going to be a changing of a guard. I think it's going to be ugly to begin with. Uh, but I also think that, they, that it's a it's a program that tends to figure itself out as the season goes along. Uh, more years than not, they're getting better as the season goes along, as opposed to to, to facing setbacks. So I think that they're going to figure it out. I think it's going to be fine. Uh, I don't have the answer of what they're going to do, but I I just trust everybody who's in that program to to figure it out and get better as the season goes on. They always do. Yeah, it makes you wonder. One of the things you brought up, you. you go back to Denzel Valentine, a, a bigger guy that initiated the offense a lot, just based on his skill set. Can they find somebody else to do that as a replacement? I cannot see yeah, them. He won, he, I cannot he see them playing foster the lawyer year. extended minutes at the point, but yeah. uh, stranger things have happened, but that seems highly, highly suspect and highly unlikely. Um, all right. So the next tier, as I grouped it together, I think IU 
falls in. Hopefully we don't say that uh, too overly optimistically. You've got Rutgers, who I, I didn't really have anything about. They have almost everybody back. Um, obviously, questions about whether they can win on the road. But the ones that have the biggest question marks in this tier uh, are Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, Ohio State, they've got a ton of transfers that they're trying to, to bring in. They had a lot of roster turnover. Uh, if you assume that, that Caleb Wesson is gone, Andre Wesson has graduated. So you're really relying a lot on transfers. They've got a guy, Justice Suing, uh, who came from Cal. He sat out last year, averaged 14 points a game, didn't shoot it all that well uh, on, a, on a couple pretty bad Cal teams. You get Seth Towns from Harvard, who was a really sought-after transfer. Uh, he's had a lot of injury issues, hasn't played a whole lot over the last couple of years. And you bring in Abel Porter, who's really more of a probably backup point guard type guy from Utah State. So those are really the questions. You've got to integrate those guys with Dwayne Washington, C.J. Walker, Kyle Young, E.J. Liddell, Musa Jallo sat out last year. So there's some interesting pieces there, but not a lot that played together a year ago. So, Coach, you know, how does Holtman, you know, he's got a good track record, so it's easy to, to believe that he's going to fit these pieces together, but also hard not to believe that there's going to be some growing pains with all these transfers and new faces for the Buckeyes. Yeah, and he's got good players there, but who, who's going to be his closer? He's been there three years, and he had, um, what's it? Kate's D up, whatever that dude's name was, who was played out of his mind his first year. And then he had the, the Wesson brothers for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, then, you know, he's got a lot of players and some transfers. How do you fix that in? To me, that just is a, a again, a middle tier NCAA tournament team can be because Holtman's a really quality coach and he's been there now in year four. So you see some advances for the players, CJ Walker and those players. Um, and there's been some interesting discussion on other podcasts between who do you trust, Ohio State or Michigan, a little bit more. I'm leaning a little bit more towards Michigan because of Wagner and, and, and Livers coming back if they do. Um, now, if Wesson comes back, I think that's a boost for Ohio State. I don't see them cracking the top top tier, uh, but they can be uh, pretty productive. I would expect them in the NCAA. Yeah, so Michigan, I'll just kind of shoehorn them in here as well because they're the other one to me that's a little bit hard to figure. Got, Livers, by most accounts, is going to come back. You got uh, Wagner coming back. Eli Brooks is is in the backcourt, and Brandon Johns. Those are kind of the key returning guys. They lose so much. Though. They lose. I mean, yeah, losing Simpson and Teske from a defensive standpoint is a big deal. Uh, even DeJulius stood to to get a lot more shots and transferred. Um, and then you've got so they had a Columbia. they got hurt in recruiting too. Yeah, and then the yeah, the top Isaiah top Todd. Top recruit goes to the yep. G League. So yeah, that doesn't help. They, they've still got. By the way, Isaiah Todd. I watched his film when he made that G League commitment. I was like, boy, I'm so glad he's not going to Michigan. <laughs> that dude's a five star, super athletic power forward. He's skinny, but that dude's gonna. He could have wrecked some people in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean they've they've still got three other top 100 guys, but um, you know a couple of those are on the back end of the top 100, so you don't know whether you're going to get much out of them right away. They've got a Columbia right. transfer at guard and in Mike Smith, so they're relying a, a bit more on transfers and young players, new faces. I don't know how much we know about Juwan Howard anyway, but Ryan, if you had to, you know, pick one of those two to to, I guess whichever way you want to think about it, fall either fall out of that second tier or maybe play a, above that. Do you have a lean one way or the other? Since coach well, just. Just based on track record, I, I trust Ohio State more than, than Michigan. Their staff is is has proven they can do it. And and Michigan, I mean, Juwan Howard might turn out to be a fantastic coach, but we've got one season of him, and and he basically inherited a complete roster uh, from John Beeline. So, you know, it's it's just hard for me to 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 pick Holtman's team to drop when Holtman has proven he can coach and develop players now. 
I think both teams lose a lot and both teams, you know, having a lot of new pieces they're going to have to factor in. So really it could go either way. I, I, I don't think I can say definitively. I just lean towards the guy who's coached in the big 10 a couple of years and kind of knows what he's doing. Um, and Howard can recruit more. fast. He can. He and that's the thing. And like he signs guys like in 24 hours these days. Yeah, that's gotta but, be impressive. But here's the thing. The G league took one of them away. So, you know, it's, it, you know, but I think, no, I think Howard's going to be a monster recruiter for Michigan. I think there's no question about that. He's shown that already. Uh, the question is just this. If we're talking just about this year, I would trust Ohio state a little bit more than Michigan, but that's just based on past experience. Yeah. You make a good point because they're losing a lot, and they were just one game ahead of IU, 19 and, and 12 or yeah. something on the year, and they had that really great start uh, in the tournament. Both Ohio uh, State and Michigan started. Yeah, State, and, and, and Michigan started. Well. So, but yeah, both those teams are a lot lower than what they were last year and finished, what, seventh, eighth, ninth area. Uh, I know Michigan was in a 8 9 against Rutgers. Rutgers will be interesting, too, to see if, if they can win on the road um, to move up to from that eighth spot, uh, that second tier. Uh, they have a lot of players um, coming back too. And what what does Illinois do if both those guys come back from Illinois? Look out for Illinois. If one of those the two, uh, I think they can move up into this tier possibly. Yeah, Illinois was the other team I, I wanted to touch on, and I, I struggled a little bit with putting the tiers together. And I and I even think that on podcast on the brink, they probably had them mixed in with these others. They, they were a it's little so bit so hard to do tiers this far out. I mean, they're a little bit are. odd to me. I mean, I'm I'm obviously assuming, like I said, that Dasunmu is gone and Coburn is back. Um, but they lost some other guys as well. You know, Andres Feliz left. Alan Griffin transferred. Kipper Nichols graduated finally. They do have Trent Frazier. How he's still in school, I have no idea. Um, they got Georgie. They got Demonte Williams. I mean, th- those four would really be their core guys. Uh, and then they signed a couple uh, a couple guards uh, as freshmen that are are going to pretty much have to play right away. Uh, you know, one of them ranked thirty first as a shooting guard, uh, Adam Miller, and then Andre Curbelo. Who I think IU was somewhat involved with for a little while, yep. a point guard who ranked forty second. So two top fifty guards, but you're going to have to play pretty quick. They got another D three guy who sat out last year. You know, maybe he comes in and can play well. They're the one that has a pretty wide range of outcomes. If the freshman guards are good, then I definitely think with the the with having Coburn inside, like they could move into that tier. You could probably make an argument that maybe they should be in that second tier already. But coach, I know you're a uh, an ardent. Uh, Dasun Moose supporter as your as your closer. So, you know how big a, a shoes is it to really fill with having that guy that you knew you could give the ball to at the end, and he will he was willing to take the big shot and things like that versus trying to figure out who on that roster becomes that guy going forward. It's just huge, and and I saw something someone mentioned in the NBA where they thought he should come back. So that'll be that'll be interesting. I think he's gone. But he wasn't that much of a closer as a freshman. He was nice, and he could play, and he got some good stats. But th- his sophomore year, he wanted the ball in clutch time, and he made some big shots for Illinois to win on the road. I d- the, the Miller and Cubello are going to fill that spot some, but I don't know. The one player you mentioned that I really loved in covering their games uh, a few times for Delphi Bracketology was Feliz. And, and that's that senior piece who did everything. When he needed to score, he scored. When he needed to guard, he, he guarded and, and doesn't get a lot of fame. And that's hopefully where Indiana basketball is going. You get these guys who have been in the program for multiple years, can do multiple things when needed. But Felice is going to be hard to uh, replace, too, for Illinois. So those are kind of the the top ones I, I had in that other third tier. I had Purdue in there. There's a lot of, you know, we talked a lot about roster turnover there. Um, I do think they feel really good about some of the the wings and guards that they have. 
Uh, Penn State will be interesting losing Lamar Stevens. They've got a decent amount back. It's a question of do you really trust Pat Chambers? Maryland loses a ton. Uh, and one of the things that was interesting that, that Torvik pointed out on that podcast was while there's some guys coming back, they lose Cowan and, and Jalen Smith. Even some of the guys that they have coming back were fairly inefficient in supporting roles. So you don't really know, uh, you know, in a, in a larger role, how do they get more efficient there? So Maryland is one that could drop a decent amount. And then you've got you know, Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska, Nebraska is like a revolving door of, of transfers. I think Northwestern Nebraska is still probably that bottom tier. Minnesota, depending upon what Carr does, may fall in there again as well. Um, so that's kind of the way that it shakes out right now. We can, I'm sure we'll have more discussion about this in the offseason. But uh, Ryan, any, any parting thoughts from you, lingering Big Ten thoughts that you wanted to get in before we uh, take a break? I think that top tier is going to be pretty darn good. I think the the second tier there's a chance for Indiana. If everybody can sort of move their game forward, there's a real chance for Indiana to make a jump next year. Um, you know, maybe into the back of the, of the first tier. I mean, you never know what happens once you get into the season, but Indiana's got a lot of returners, a lot of continuity. They're adding some talent. Uh, I, I just think this is a, this is setting up to be a build year for Indiana where they can take that big next step uh, that, that maybe they've been looking for. I just think that there's so many guys leaving, so many guys transferring in and out, and there's going to be so many new players in key situations that it's an opportunity for Indiana with its continuity to finally take that jump that it's, that it's wanted to take under Archie Miller. All right, well, that'll do it for our Big Ten thoughts on a season that may happen in some form or fashion. Uh, so coming up next, we'll answer your questions as we do every week. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Zizloft, I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. And welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's now time for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. So piggybacking on our uh, on our discussion that we just had, we did have a, a question from Jay, although he did not submit it through the community, of course, because why wouldn't he? Because it's this. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. All right. So at the risk of getting into additional Purdue talk, uh, Jay's question was, which Big Ten teams have had the best and worst offseason? So we'll just do... One each. Coach, who's had the best offseason in the Big Ten that you can, uh, from your standpoint? All right, it's been Indiana. We need to talk Indiana. You know, no one's really left that we didn't know about. Demise left in on good terms, hopefully. Uh, and um, Christian Lander, that wasn't really an offseason, uh, but it was close uh, with, with the COVID. So uh, Indiana has very little question marks at, at this point. And so I'm going to go Indiana. Ryan, what about you? Uh, of course I'm going with Indiana. Uh, I think that that adding some extra guys, you get the Christian Lander reclassify, which appears it's still coming. So um, 
Yeah, I, I think that that's the big one is that you've got a five star top point guard in the country coming. Uh, that you you win on that. Uh, so I would I would say IU plus only losing one player, getting those all those freshmen coming in, uh, a lot of continuity around the program moving into next year. I would say Indiana is at the best. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'll make that a clean sweep. I think just in terms of additions to the program uh, and lack of subtractions, that feels like the uh, that feels like the answer. All right, who had the who had the worst? Uh, Ryan, I'll go to you first on this. I got Michigan. I think losing out on on uh, the five star player who went to the G League, and then plus the guys they're losing. Uh, we mentioned them earlier. Uh, I, I just think that they really are going to have a ton of turnover. They've got transfers, all that, some some incoming freshmen. There's a lot of turnover on that team. Coach? Uh, I don't want to bring it back, but I, I'm going to say Purdue um, because of losing the, the two players, the two seniors. Uh, but Michigan's uh, right there as well. Yeah, I, I'm going to side with Ryan here um, with, with Michigan. I think losing a, a five-star guy is a really is a really – difficult one to replace. They had some other decent recruits coming in, but there's no logical replacement for him. And you're already looking to replace the leadership of Simpson uh, and the defense of both he and Teske and then losing to Julius hurts you a little bit on offense. So I'll say Michigan as, uh, as well. Uh, next question. Uh, Joel touched on this. And I think we, we talked about it before. So I'm going to, it was, it was basically a coach is being hypocritical talking about players facing adversity, looking for a way out then turning around, welcoming a transfer player. I, I do think we touched on that. Uh, a little bit there uh, from JD last year and potentially this year, IU won't fill one of its scholarships. Even if Lander comes, is this a normal thing for college programs to do? If you're going to do that, why wouldn't you give that scholarship to a senior walk on prevent you from recruiting, but uh, or prevent you from recruiting, uh, but you'd have the scholarship for the next year. Uh, Ryan, quick thoughts on, on kind of how to handle that situation. A lot of team, a lot of teams, if they're in that position, will leave a scholarship open. I think they'll, they'll say they'll keep it open. If there's not a, direct need. Um, they won't go fill it or they'll wait for maybe a spring recruit who drops out of a, something. It's like a contingency and then they can maybe go, go after them or they'll wait for a transfer that really fits. Uh, Indiana has done that a couple times under Archie. And as far as putting it, giving it to a senior walk on, I agree that they should do that. The problem is sometimes it's why would you give it to one walk on, not another, you know, you, it's a tough decision to make for a coach. So, uh, but I agree. I think they should do that. If they have an open scholarship, give it to, give it to us, give it to a walk on. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Good timing. We spent too much time on Purdue, but we did go up well uh, otherwise with uh, timing out the show. So with that, uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Was on a...
a, a Zoom call with Archie Miller uh, before he was here. That sounds like something we would make up on the show, which is actually in this case is true. <laughs> um, and uh, it was it was related to the fantasy camp, but you were mentioning a couple things in the in the chat about uh, that, that you took away from that. So I don't know if you want to share those. I can also start recording again if you want to be able to tack these on or uh, no, or not. I'm not recording because I can tack it on. I I'm gonna I'm gonna respect the sanctity of that venue actually because yeah, I don't know there was actually there was definitely some stuff said there that was requested to keep on there. Um, right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna respect that. Um, and he didn't. It was funny because the hysterics guys were on there, you know. So he even said something like, "Are they all both right. going?" Yeah, they're both going. He's like, "All right, you know, you guys, let's keep this confidential." He didn't. He doesn't know who I am. Nice. So I was like, "Okay," but no, I uh, <laughs> no, there there is some stuff, and it would be interesting. And I don't, I never one with our audience that if I know something, I will keep it. But in this case, it was specifically requested, so I'm gonna I'm gonna. Respect all right. Well, that. I'm sorry that it's I set you up to look like you're withholding. Things it's not. I mean, this is not like you know deep dark secrets or anything you know it would be like mildly interesting but i'm just not you know i don't want to do that not that it would get out or anything but we're on we're on day 60 or whatever it is of this everything is mildly interesting at this point. <laughs> hey did you guys read my email that i sent to you what i found interesting yeah i mean do you see what this is doing to coach i mean put it on the scale of what he sent to us and put as, as if that's yeah that might be mildly interesting so who knows anyway, yeah no, i'm just i'm just joking yeah, no, I don't. So, what what are the plans for the the camp at this point? Are they just kind of playing it by ear for another little while? And yeah, basically, I mean, or? they're going to try and and do it as planned. You know, that's their that's their goal. They've got a couple of backup dates for it, but I think a lot of it will depend on what the status of campus is at that time. You know, do we see some kind of you know a, a second wave or whatever as it as it gets toward the fall? Who knows? You know, I mean, there's it. It feels like there's just an ocean of time between now and then. So we'll just have to see. But that's their plan. Yeah. So Yeah. By the way, it had nothing to do with recruiting. So there was no it was definitely not recruiting stuff that was talked about on the call. Just to clear that up. All right. What? Good deal. Anyway. Are you withholding right, from us or just the audience? I think you're withholding from no, us. No, I put too. some stuff in the chat to you I'm guys. Kidding. I saw. Okay. I saw. Yeah. Again, nothing that's not really shattering. So a little thing, putting these uh, clips together for Coach's Corner, th- you know, there was some good play. I know it, it was 20 and, and 12, whatever, and it wasn't consistent play and too much up and down. Like when things went bad, then we give up a 20-2 to two run and, and the game gets out of hand at Maryland and that. But there, I, I don't recall. I don't recall that. Yeah, in, individual players, there are some things that if, they can, if they're working on their game now on their own, and, and and a few of those questions we addressed last week are answered. Then then you got to feel pretty good about uh, Indiana making some improvement to move up up in the Big Ten. But you know um, you can't have a good game against Michigan State, then two bad games in a row if you're a, a major uh, participant in the lineup. And and that happened too much last year. But I just came away. Maybe I'm starving for sports, but um, it's been fun going back over over that and watching some of the guys and. I'm very excited about the freshmen coming in. I, I just think we have depth and depth of the guys that want to work hard. Um, yeah. and, and from and our discussion about Purdue, that that's kind of what brings it to an IU thing. You look like you got 12 guys that really want to work hard, find their role, find their niche, and, and get it done, and hopefully two seniors who really want to you know, make a, a good run their senior year. I, I just, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Yeah, I yeah, think that I, this, this. I felt is gonna, better looking through the Big Ten stuff today, like yeah. just really looking at who other people lost and different things like that. I had 
save the podcast on the brink. So I kind of did a little bit of research before and then, uh, and then listened to that. So it was, uh, I don't know. I feel I don't, not, I, I'm, I think we're all probably trying not to get too optimistic because we've, yeah. you know, shot ourselves in the foot how well, we many also, years in a row by doing that. But well, you know. we also don't know how, you know, everyone's going to react to this. Like our guys going to be working hard at home, you know, working out. I mean, you don't know how improved they are. You can assume improvement from guys. And if you look at it, you know, you assume that certain guys on the team are going to get better one year to the next we really don't know. We're just guessing. I mean, we don't know until they hit campus until they get in some games, how, how it, it really is going to turn out. But um, I think that the additions of guys like Leal and, and I, I like Geronimo too, but Leal and Galloway specifically who know what, you know, from following the program, like they have and having friends in the program, they know what it's going to be like when they get here. So they're going to have to, they know they're going to have to adjust quick and be ready to hit the, hit the ground running. I'm sure Geronimo does too, but we just know for a fact that Leal and Galloway know what this program's about just from seeing it and having friends on the team. So uh, I think they're going to be positive additions for sure. I think Geronimo will be too, but you know, I don't know how long it's going to take him to adjust to it. Those other two guys know what they're getting into. Um, and then also, you know, just assuming that the continuity, I mean, you go through the big 10 and how many guys are leaving or transferring or how many new guys are having to come in and take big roles. Indiana doesn't have that. Indiana's basically just moving everybody up one spot. And, and and moving on, and it's a lot of guys who've been in the system. So, uh, Jeff in we'll the see. chat says something that's really key too, Ryan. And guys, is the alpha? Who's the alpha for IU? Who's who's the closer? I think who's we all know guy? who we who we'd want it to be. You know, who's that guy that can just go get buckets at a late shot clock or late game situation to win two or three games? You know, to win that Maryland game, to win you know some of those games that were really close that didn't turn out to India Wisconsin game, whatever. Developing that would be really, really, yeah. really good uh, for the Hoosiers. In a year, I think it's Lander, but um, right now, I think we'd all love it to be Rob Finnessy to either get it or find somebody with his ability. You know, be able to be able to break down a defense and find an open guy for the bucket when you need it. Obviously, Trace Jackson Davis is going to be the guy you feed, um, no matter what. But if you're talking about a guy from the perimeter trying to get the ball, I mean, you somewhere. might be running to play for Al Durham if you're smart, based on sure. what he did over the last month. It could, and hey, it could be Al Durham. I think you would love it to be your 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 point guard to be the guy who can go get a bucket or, or fi- again find a bucket. Um, but yeah, it could be Al Durham. For sure, it could be. And he showed at the end of last year he's capable of it. You know, we we did that episode about biggest question marks. And, you know, we didn't include Justin and Al as question marks because they're seniors. You kind of know what you're going to get from them. You know, I will say I am feeling a lot better about those guys. Not that I was feeling bad about them at the end of the season, but, like, there were clearly ups and downs for them last season. But I really think that they will come in with a really good approach. You know, and I think it's interesting because you're seeing a lot of guys, even older guys like a Harms, like an Eastern that have had up and down careers that, you know, you get away from the team and from the message of the coach and your teammates and some of that stuff. And maybe that didn't enter into the decision. Maybe it did. We've seen other guys transfer, too. And I think it's easy for guys to make that decision. And, you know, Alan Justin are playing for the coach that didn't recruit them. They've had ups and downs with fits in the offense, all of that stuff. You know, and it, you kind of wonder how are they going to approach their senior season. From everything I've heard, it's really positive, like really, really positive. Which I think, you know, we didn't list it as a question mark, but I think it is because your seniors buying in and setting a good example every game is really important. Um, and I wondered about that, and I wonder a lot less about it now. Um, you think which makes Justin's, me feel really good. 
it, does Justin want to play the three so he can show what he's doing, or would he be better off at the four where he can exploit some things? Um, does that depend on on his you know turnout or 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 his attitude, whatever, for his senior year? Is he better with IU and personally at the four, or is he uh, better playing the three? Because I like him at the four because of his lack of shooting, and you need more shooting on. on, on I mean, look, based where Archie's headed with that. I mean, we all know, like, based on what we've seen, Justin operates best offensively when he's getting out in transition, getting offensive rebounds and cutting and getting the ball on the move going toward the basket. When he's dribbling toward the basket, when he's a spot-up shooter, like, we have three years of evidence that it's just not good. And whether that's because he doesn't have the confidence, because his skill level isn't there, like, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why it is. We just know, watching games, what it is. So unless there's a drastic change in skill or confidence, I think he's going to function better as, you know, as a four. Now I'm sure he wants to be, he wants to prove that he can be that, you know, that wing guy that, you know, three and D type who can make outside shots because he's going to become a much more attractive NBA option at that point. Um, But I think, you know, I I think the legacy that he leaves at IU is also important to him, you know? And so, you know, I think that's going to matter. I think it's going to matter to Al. And so I think that's that's what you hope. You know, I feel like seniors can go a couple different ways. It's like, hey, this is my last chance to showcase what I can do, or here's my chance to leave a legacy and do the best thing for the team. You know, and obviously you hope it's the latter. And from you know, from from what I've he's, heard, that that's the approach that they're taking with it. He's our best defender. Is he better defending a three or better defending a four? Three, probably, because of his length. I would think. Um. But it's, it, that plays into two if you think he's your yeah. better defender, especially given given the other yeah, options. The other, three. Three. other people play though. I mean, he yeah. played well against Lamar Stevens, but Penn State kind of played him at the four. So yeah, it's like the, uh, it's more know. matchup dependent with him. I think I think we can agree on that. But I also think mm-hmm. that you know his ability as a defender at the four isn't that far above the other defenders who can play at the four. But at the three, I think it is. Right. Um. You yeah. know, like Race Thompson could probably fill in defending a four pretty well maybe not as good as justin but you don't lose as much and when you then you can slide justin over to the three so um i think it's just gonna have to be matchup dependent really he's also the one guy on defense that is in the right place almost all the time now he's not always going there hard (laughs) you know like he doesn't always hustle where he's supposed to be but he's in the right place and for a defense that requires a lot of cohesion and it feels like the program is still learning it that's that would be really hard to replace, you know, and so I think there's going to be some value in that, which isn't always going to jump out in the box score. And maybe we won't always mention it on a post game show, but it's certainly something that the coaches noticed because that's why he gets so many minutes. He's very talented when he plays uh, focused and lasered in. That's I don't think that's ever been a question for no. a lot of us yeah. is his ability to go get rebounds and def- deflect the ball, steal and do all those things. It's just been there, maybe a possession here or hanging ahead, get, not getting back on defense, like you said, not getting there fast. And it's that consistency thing that really has me excited. It's like when you grow older, you get better. And it, when it's your last run, you have a little more sense of urgency. And if L and, and Justin have a little bit more sense of urgency to, to lift their game just that much, I think that uh, brings more consistent play from those two, and that's going to be – you know, then you got the experience factor. Though it could be, Here, it could be special. So, coach, you're right. Here's all I'm going to say about that. I am not expecting quantum leaps from those guys. No, because we were saying the exact same stuff about Devonte, and he was essentially the same guy as a senior. True, that he had been. Possibly, maybe so, I should add. Possibly, yeah. There, that last year could possibly make a difference in 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 some people, um, even and out their play. Yeah, because you know. If you, 
if he evens out his play, he's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I really hope that what we saw from Al offensively, both in terms of just his approach and the way the team was using him, because he's a guy who needs offense run for him, you know, to get shots and get in the right position. And I think he showed that he can be effective doing that. So if he can do that and Justin can be an anchor on defense, I think that's going to go a long way toward letting the other younger guys kind of fill in around them. That just that was my whole point. I just I feel better about it now than I did six weeks ago. Can sure. uh, Hunter score off the bounce? Can he be a, a a drive guy? That's something I'd love to watch workouts or I'd love to see practice to see how he can. And you know, we know he can shoot. We know he can post up a little bit. Can he score off the bounce? Because I think you know maybe L's that guy off the bounce. You know, obviously your point guard's off the bounce, but we need someone to shoot consistently. We need someone to go get fouled and, and be a driver, and we obviously have the post play that, that we're pretty happy with. But that drive guy, that bounce guy, um, is someone that we need as well. I just wondered if Hunter has that capability. I think that's – Especially if he can continue to shoot well enough, he can mm-hmm. attack closeouts and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's what – I think that's Hunter's series, next step. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what that rewatch series like. Just – I mean, the, the guys who are really good, the, sh- the ability to shot fake and – do whatever, not to sound like a super old man after I just defended, you know, <laughs> Purdue coach bashing players or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, just watch. How were the bounce passes, I mean, Andy? How many that they're amazing. But yeah, I mean, how many? Of the, yeah, how many of those guys got got baskets and and created drives to the basket just off of a ability to get a guy in the air and off balance because they had were had were proven shooters as opposed to just you know the conversations we had about you know Xavier Simpson and Eastern and whatever where everybody's just like I'll just hang out here and uh, watch you attempt to shoot and, and go it's from just, there. So it's confidence and health with him. You know, those are going to be, yeah. that's the, that's the thing. Yep. So I think he's, he like, he's the guy who could take a major leap because you think about the talent and then he was actually off for a year. So, I mean, he's coming in last year, his first year in major college basketball. Plus he'd been off a year. Plus he's dealing with health stuff. Like if, you know, if two of those three things are a lot better, like he's the one guy that I think could take a major leap and would be, yeah, he and Rob, and it could be a huge, huge, you know, boon for this team. I think Ryan yep. froze. He's just Either really, that or he's just contemplating deeply his response. Mm-hmm. Could mm-hmm. be. Who's to say? Who's to say? <sighs> I was going to bring something up. I don't know that I want to open up this can of worms right now. All right. Well, we've been on for an hour and a half, so maybe that's I know. Not that's right. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> you have, have only been it. on 30 minutes. If you have to think about it, then you probably should. <laughs> nah, it's something so. that we've talked about before. Maybe we'll talk about it on a future show. I was going to ask Coach. There just the go. whole... Yeah, we, we, well, I'm sure we need plenty of ideas for future shows. So just uh... The whole referring to players as kids thing. And I've talked about it before. you know. But, and I think it, it goes into the whole painter discussion. I don't want to get back into that. But you know, are we, are we overprotective? Of well, with Ryan frozen, this kids. is the perfect time to get back into that discussion. But there's anyway, no- <laughs> we're not going to bring it up now. But it's quick, quick answer. I get, I get your point um, that that college guys should be called men, uh, and they should be able to handle criticism. The question for me, Jared, is public versus private. You know, there's some coaches out there like Mick Cronin is nasty towards his kids in practice. I mean. Uh, the language and all of that, um, and, and yet he gets stuff done. And, uh, you know, some people would disagree with that kind of coaching, that berating kind of coaching, uh, but Mick Cronin gets it done. Uh, so when you've been in college coaching practices, you see a wide variety, and people can disagree on on that as well. To me, 
as an educator, it's, it's yes, they're still 19, 18, 19, 20, 21. I don't consider them kids. I consider them young men. And, and to some extent, even the pros, the pros get a little bit, you know, um, upset when their manager goes public instead of going private. Um, and maybe, maybe if you had the private conversation and then went public, I could be okay with that as well. Um, but, but if I'm pushing a program to be the best man you can be, we're in it together, uh, those types of things. I got to be able to demonstrate that as the leader that I can handle adversity as well. Uh, and that's just a philosophical thing. Um, you know, uh, when we won, it was always the kids credit or the guys players credit in high school. When we lost, it was my game plan and all those things, even though I didn't believe that. Uh, and a lot of people criticize me locally because you're setting yourself up to blame. If you take, uh, you know, you said this and that, but I just believe my role as a leader is to, to take that all on myself and not to, to push it off. And that's kind of where it comes. I have a lot of respect for all the coaches and, and really this, the media aspect of Delphi bracketology, uh, some coaches that I didn't like, I now like, like, uh, Underwood at, at Illinois, when you get in there and watch them and see how they talk and see how they respond and, and their players, their men are their guys. Uh, th- that's, that's just huge. And I think painter does a great job of that, but we, I just take it real. That's, that's where I come from. Um, and I know it was refreshing for me to hear that honesty as a fan and as a coach because we all get frustrated. But I think as a leader, you got to protect your 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 brand and you got to protect what's going on. And and there's a there's a time and a place. And that's just where my my position come from. What he said was spot on. There was not an untrue thing. There's not a thing that I disagree with. He said, and even the Boilermaker part of it, I, I get it. You're not a Hoosier. I, you know I me. Mean? I can't get into a Noah Vonley and, and uh, uh, Eric Gordon as much as former Hoosiers uh, as I can guys who stayed at least two or three years. And I got to see him multiple years. That's just the kind of guy, uh, guy that I am. But I think he just, you know, Yes, they are young men, and they're not kids, and you you don't need to coddle them in practice. And um, but publicly, for me, is a, is a different. I, I take that way in media too. Uh, we used to do a post game high school show, and we were all we tried to stay positive because they were high school players. And when we the show changed hands, and some different people came in, parents would call in and complain about the coach, and the, they would allow that. And that's just not that's just not me. If that makes me soft. Um, uh, I'm glad I'll be a snowflake. <laughs> uh, now I, you may, you do make some really good points, coach. And I mean, I, I generally, I generally buy into a lot of that, but it just, I, I do think want... Painter got screwed. I think Matt Painter and the Purdue program got screwed by two kids who are being selfish. That's my honest feeling. Uh, and so what he said is not, but I've also made huge mistakes as a coach when I was heated or right after a game uh, saying things that, boy, when it came out in the paper, I let, oh my gosh, did I really say that? <laughs> you know, that ended up on locker rooms somewhere else, even in high school, it ended up in the locker room. So the mouth of a coach can get you in trouble when right after certain things happen. And again, that's, I guess, where, where my, my point is. No, I, I put this solely on harms and, and no gel chasing dreams that aren't there. And it would frustrate me as a coach. Um, you know, we had some kids leave our program in the last couple of years at Western that we were really counting on, and it's frustrating because we'd really like to count on them, but we didn't chase them, we didn't say anything negative, and I'll never say anything negative because they're good people. We just disagreed with their decision. Yeah. Fair enough. Ryan said his power went out. Mm. Like it's story. completely ridiculous. No. There you are. 
Anyway. All right. It is. Madeline pulled the plug, someone said. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. It's time, it. time for dinner. That might be. It's time for dinner. All right, cool. Well, Jared, you got the files already. I uh, made the mistake oh, wow. of I stopped recording um, at the end of the first segment instead of hitting pause, so then I just did that for all of them. So there's three files out there, but they're labeled which one's what segment. So Okay. Cool. Should Thank you. To piece together. Yeah, hey, no problem. Thank you. All right. Uh, all right. Very good. We'll uh, chat next week then. Yes, we will. Sounds good. Hopefully, Thanks something happens that we have to, that we have to talk about. No I'll kidding. Th- you know what the last forty eight hours have taught me? We need some damn games to talk about. Like I just, I think I, I think I just like needed something to get like worked up about. You know, to like get into. Yeah, we need some. We need some games here. Yeah. I don't know. Next week's topic. At some point, German we soccer start... talk on next week. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. At some point, at some yeah, point, we, we got to start doing, doing our player by player seat. Our player by player series. So, by the way, yeah. I reached out to Indiana to try and see if we could get some players on, or if I could talk to some of them for background. No, I uh, I don't understand why we don't make our players more available. Do you see what Michigan State was doing? They had you know Marble answering like all these questions, like just silly stuff. Come on, yeah. If you don't want them God. to answer. You know, certain types of questions or like whatever, but yeah. Yeah, you can curate the questions, but just, you know, give us something in the in the player's own words. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, we should do that this week. We should send something around, kind of do it. If there's any logical order in which we want to talk through guys or something like that, I feel like we kind of bounced um, around last year. Jared, is that just a basketball issue or is that an Indiana athletics issue? Because I've always heard that Indiana athletics is a lot tighter than a lot of other places. Uh, in access and you know i don't pay a ton of it i mean i don't i honestly don't pay a lot of attention to what happens with the other sports so other people can probably answer that better than me um but it's certainly been it's certainly been like that i mean look the head coach is not exactly the most media friendly guy like he just doesn't really like dealing with the media and i don't know if he fully understands the value that you can get from it he sees a lot of the negatives so i mean i don't think you're getting any like you know, help from Archie in that regard. But I mean, I, I don't feel like JD's handling it a lot differently now than he did under Crean. It's just, it's right. a philosophical difference. And I get, I guess I see the one side of it where it's like you kind of protect the narrative, you prevent guys from saying something maybe they don't want to say, yada, yada. But, you know, this is one of the hills that I will die on, just like two fouls and all the other stuff. Like, <laughs> if you're going to prepare players, prepare them to deal with the media like this is what college should be about so i don't and it's just good to let the fans get to know your players because the more you know them as people the more of a benefit of the doubt you're going to give them like it just i, I just so i you think i kind of re- like requests the number of if you open it up the number of requests being such a top-notch program that you know our show wants them there's this podcast there's that the that's why you have show, an sid to say no and be the gatekeeper athletic. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing yeah, with you. No. I'm just trying to figure out why. Cause I've heard a lot of media people that I've talked to have always had difficulty with access. And I don't think it's mm-hmm. a basketball thing. I think it's an Indiana university as much as, you know, I had great stuff today with the ticket guy called, uh, there's a lot that I'm proud of with Indiana and Indiana athletics, but I too don't understand how, um, the, the access, you know, it can promote itself, I guess. But if you want to sell football tickets, there's there's more ways than just putting a bouncing pizza in the, a Section 12 or something. Um, 
you know. <laughs> I mean, come on. And now maybe I see that more because I'm now part of, part of the media. But and and I'll tell you, as coaches, we we don't like the media. I mean, they come in your locker room after you lose to a team, and you respect them because they have a job to do and they're doing their job. But you, you try to answer those questions real quick and get out, and you don't mean any disrespect. It's just not you know, part of what you really like to do. And I agree also that coaches miss the opportunity. If you were really could use it to your advantage, could save a lot of skins. Too. Who gets treated with more kid gloves in a lot of ways than Tom Izzo and Bill Self? Those guys know how to, like, they, you know, like, yeah. you. I mean, as a coach, I feel like you do. They you also have to, win. Well, obviously that too. But I mean, but I feel like they know how to use the media. And they are also just probably more generally gregarious guys. So I'm sure part of it just goes to what your personality is. But. I just, I don't know, from a strategic perspective, I mean, think about all the great articles that you've read. Like, you know, the article that uh, that Eddie Cotton did with Devontae Green that really humanized Devontae. And it's like, man, you know right. what? Like, you know, this is not just a guy who's jacking up shots. Like, this is a person with a story and a history. And, you know, like... And you just... can have someone in on the interview, too. Like, I always used to stand with my players when they got interviewed by the press because high school juniors who hit the game-winning shot could say something really ridiculous, you know? And I don't, I don't want the player to be misquoted or misused too so you could really monitor that uh as an sid if if you do a zoom call uh and we're recording it you could be on there silently and you could object to something yeah. and say please don't promote that or whatever i'd be fine i mean i'd uh, be fine with that like you make mistakes if i go on a podcast i would expect that if i'm like you know hey i boy i really explained that poorly or i didn't mean to say that that it would be taken out you know right. like you're not trying to do gotcha journalism it's like i just want to let's just tell the story we're just here we're here to be part of telling the story of IU basketball. That's what all of us are doing, you know? So, I don't know. I yeah. I don't get it, I mean, but whatever. I, I know the Hoosier Heartland guys, like, they've had on um, some players from other sports and different things like that, but I think, obviously, IU basketball is different than a lot of the others, but I don't think it's a department-wide policy. Have they had not... players or just coaches? I thought they've had some players recently. I there thought... was a softball player that was on there recently. I thought it was softball recently. Was she and a I graduate, know, like, though? I don't some know. of the smaller Sports. Coach, stop asking questions I can't answer. I have no idea. I just know. <laughs> hey, I'm done with remote learning. My teaching job's over right now for a couple months. I got to ask questions. Now he's into gotcha journalism because he's trying to catch me knowing whether it's a current player or not. Well, I have no idea, but I'm going to try to look and see if I can figure it out. Um, but I know even like the Hoosier Network guys, like they've had players on before at various various points. I know it's a little bit different in student media. Maybe there's just different access that they might be able to just inherently have by being around. Um but anyway, yeah, I don't. You would think that I mean I'm biased because I like what we do, but we've earned our stripes here. That we're not some podunk person opening up, you know, a, a podcast. Um, you know, you know they've watched us and they they know who we are because I know that in the athletic department they assign people to watch all these things. Um, so you would think that that we've earned our stripes a little bit as opposed to someone just starting up or. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you know, dare to dream. <laughs> dare to dream. Hey, I got a haircut today, fellas. Did you? Yep. <laughs> I need to get Everyone, a Everyone's dying looks for a haircut. Nice. I just looks nice. Got the razor out and I'm due for another know. one. Uh, I'm due for another one this weekend here at home. So, by the way, these guys are saying, you know, Izzo is brutal after loss. He's a grumpy old man. He is. He'll also sit with Brendan Quinn for three hours. And then Brendan Quinn can write a great piece. And, you know, you hear when Brendan talks, and Brendan is really objective, and I like him, obviously, and I respect what he says, Like, but you can tell when he talks. There's an objectivity, but there's also an affection for Izzo because of time he spent with him. 
you know, and an ability to triangulate Izzo as a human being and not a two-dimensional character. And that, you know, that's what makes those guys interesting to read. And we just don't, you know, we don't quite, maybe you get that more at a program like Michigan State that's more established and there's a little bit more comfort level with it. And you can do that when you're Izzo because, you know, you're not going anywhere. But I hope that's what Indiana gets to one of these days because I feel like it would just be, you know, we we love this program. It, it would be more more to embrace, more to hug, you know. Anyway. Agreed. All right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Hopefully, we evened out the Purdue talk by getting into some other topics later. So, <laughs> did our best. We didn't talk about Purdue that much on the actual show. It was really just the in-between. We talked about it at the end of the first segment. We really didn't touch on them at all in the uh, Big Ten part. So. so, we only made our most loyal listeners suffer through Purdue talk. Yes. Nice. That's yeah, <laughs> really, really good of us. It's just, it's just. We're, we're just testing. Is that, them, is right? that not how you're supposed to do week. it? I just wasn't. Sure. Yeah, I just. I actually. Next week they've survived. I, I find it uninteresting as a Purdue story. I find it interesting as a way to talk about the larger topic, you know, and, yeah. and which is hard because, as I said, the context matters, so you do have to talk about the details. But yeah. I, I think it's interesting trying to project if that, you know, would you want your coach talking like that? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. All right, cool. Thanks, All everybody. Right. See y'all. We'll see you next week. All right. See you in the community. Peace. All right. Later. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is one of the most toxic of all poisons. Two, kids are more at risk for developing addiction. Three, a nicotine addiction can make it easier for kids to get addicted to other drugs. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.